Yes, indeed. It's another great morning on the morning machine, the machine that makes your mornings move. Thank you so much for making the machine a part of your daily morning routine. Part of that morning routine means answers, initiatives, community. That's what this morning show means to everybody. And we continue to do just that. We do this. So make sure that you continue to follow us all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, The Morning Machine. We're all over. So first of all, let's get started here because we have a phenomenal woman in the seat right now. And trust me, there's a lot of history. Trust me, if you knew the off-air conversation, you know. If you know, you know. Especially if you went to college where we did. In the meantime, between time, that's, that's, that's for another conversation. We'll probably get into that in a little bit. But let's talk about the one and the only Whitney Kenner Jones. Who will be your trusted advocate for a new era of leadership in Douglas County Commissioner as Douglas County Commissioner District 2. Now, she has a unwavering dedication to ethical service, instilling trust, upholding the highest standards of integrity, and committed to fostering and maintaining the public's trust in our government. And you know the stories over the last few years and beyond. It hasn't always been too kind to us. So that is where her commitment comes in. But furthermore... Because there is an attorney in her as well, because she is the managing member of Kenner Jones Law, LLC. She's not just an attorney, but she's a problem solver. That's right, I said a problem solver. Do I need to say it like Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, I'm not going to do that. But, of course, as she does on a day-to-day resolve legal matters swiftly with minimal disruption to their daily lives. And our daily lives are very important as it pertains to our community. So, without further ado, for the first time, and certainly not the last, and it will never be the last on the morning machine because we are family now, I welcome the one and the only Whitney Kenner Jones. Good morning to you. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing quite well and so thankful to be here. I definitely appreciate the invitation and so I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And what we're looking forward to is the journey. So you know what I like to do? Every guest that comes on the morning machine, let's rewind a bit. Let's take it back to the old school. Let's take it to Union Square. I don't have the echo thing for me, but it's all good. <laughs> but uh so let's take it back to uh when you were growing up, right? Of course you've seen a lot of community work being done in your community where you grew up. So what were the things of the community that really resonated with you to be where you are today? That's actually a a really good question. So I'm a military brat. I'm from a little bit of everywhere. I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. I've lived in nine states. I've Mm -hmm. lived abroad as well. Um, North Carolina, I do claim as home, though. (laughs) Shout out to Carolina. Let's go. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I uh, went to high school in North Carolina. Where at? 
I went to uh, Douglas Bird Senior High in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Fayetteville. Hey, look, listen, Fayetteville. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and Shout then, out to Fort Bragg. Yeah, my dad actually was at Fort Bragg. Both my parents were in the military, but that's Absolutely. where my dad retired from. And we thank them for their service as well. And then you went off to college, and please shout it out, please. I did. I went to college at the illustrious, the University of North Carolina at Greensboro in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh-huh. And and who are they? Who's the team? Talk to me. Spartan Pride. It is the Spartans, absolutely. Where most A&T students who had people on their campus walked down East and West Market Street and went their way through the campus over the hills and through Grandma's house and out the back door. You know what I'm saying? And try not to get in trouble. You go <laughs> to the cafeteria. <laughs> Yeah, go. See, if you knew the struggle when we went to school, see, now they have effective transit right. in that area that can get you around a lot easier than when we went to school. And we, and we, we young and wise. We still young and wise, right? Right. When we went to school in the early 2000s, we had to walk these blocks. Right. So all these city blocks we had to walk just to get from campus to campus. UNCG on the west side of Greensboro, ANT on the east side, Bennett across the street from there. But the essence of that, you took me back with all of those memories that I'm not even going to get into right now <laughs> because we got to get into other parts of the conversation. But if you know, you know. But yes, UNCG. And then from there, what was it at UNCG that got you to really hone in on being an attorney, what was it? What was that light bulb moment for you that said, "This is what I want to do"? So, light bulb moment. We're gonna take it way back before back UNCG. So, I actually, obviously, as most you know, African American, black and brown kids do. I grew up watching the Cosby Show. You bet. And Felicia Rashad from mm -hmm. the Cosby Show. H U. And Julia Sugarbaker from Design and Women were like mm. my ideal. If there was ever a woman to be, it was the combination of those two. Right individuals and so pretty much from first second grade if you go back and ask any of my teachers my parents grandparents I was going to be an attorney it just was what it was um but part of the reason that I picked UNC Greensboro is because it started off as an all-women's college mm -hmm. because they wanted to make sure that they had a place to advocate for themselves. And mm -hmm. a lot of those kinds of changes, progress that you see, does not happen without legislative change, and it does not happen without legal changes. And right. so I definitely was inspired by that and decided, you know, I can do this. I can I can be an advocate. I can be a voice for the people to make sure mm -hmm. that good things happen. And when you say good things happen because it see when when i see you you say in, in being an attorney you know the, the show that i actually think of you you mentioned two shows but there's one show that i'm thinking of living single you bet <laughs> max the maverick exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> she definitely tied up that last in you're you're not wrong <laughs> and i'm not wrong at all because at there was a time when you didn't see a, a lot of black women being in that being the front running attorney at law. You saw them more behind the scenes. They still were in the courtroom, but they were more behind the scenes. Right. Now you're seeing more judges, even Supreme Court, all of that. And it's so interesting that we're looking at 
more women being in these particular positions. And it's absolutely amazing because it shows where we are is just people coming coming up and evolving into different levels and uh, different levels of that position at hand. But also, I, I do want to ask this, because as an attorney, you've seen a lot of things over, not not just over the course of study, but also the course of doing the job and representing clients, Right. What were the biggest challenges in representation in the courtroom? Because being an attorney is not for the weak. You definitely have to have a real strong mind and a real strong background in law to be able to represent different levels of clientele. So what was the biggest challenge and how did you overcome that? Oh, gosh, there's probably so many. So um, just, as, I guess, as a little bit of background, I'm actually licensed in two states, mm -hmm. um, in Oregon and in Georgia. And so um, I think the first thing that I would say it has taught me is grit. Um, mm. Oregon is not a very diverse um, state at all. Um, and so very often here to some extent, but, you know, Atlanta is a mecca, so we have it a little bit less. Yeah, um, But there are frequent times where I have been the only black person in the courthouse, mm. not just in the room or in the area or in the town, literally the, from the security that you meet at the front to your actual wow. sitting in front of a judge. I may be the only black or brown face that I see for that day when we were in Oregon. Now moving to Atlanta is a little bit better, but um, you know, I'm, I'm very young presenting, but not young <laughs> at heart. And um so a lot uh, of times... I don't know. If people were to meet you, they probably wouldn't believe what you just said. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. Well, I just know, you know, it's also very difficult to command that space in the room in terms of, you know, not letting people dismiss you. You're going to listen to what I have to say. I am qualified. I am educated. I know what I'm talking about. And love it or leave it, you're going to hear what I have to say. And that's a very um, tough position to navigate, especially as a woman where you're taught over and over again that you need to be amenable, that you have to smile more, you know, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. But when it's time to get on the mat, with me at least, all of that's going out of the window when we're going to have a good old-fashioned fisticuffs. It is what it is. So, um, you know, I would just say being, you know, ready to fight, that kind of thing, I definitely have taught. But the other thing that being an attorney has taught me is compassion. Mm -hmm. You, unfortunately in my business, I see people at their absolute worst. They don't want to be in the room with me, whether I'm doing divorces, whether I'm doing, Ooh, um, you know, it, a whole other episode Ooh. we could have, right? I'm, I'm saying for <laughs> real. But, um, I, you know, I also specialize in juvenile law. And so, you know, you have situations where your kids have now been bought into the foster care system or, you know, you may have had a relative go rogue and stealing from your mama's estate. And now you've got to settle that up. It's just always something. And so, one, you have to learn boundaries <laughs> um, to not take that on mental health. You know, I love that you guys have the mental health Monday on here because it's so important, especially for our community to mm take a beat and take a step back. And so obviously I've learned that, but just dealing with people with compassion, empathy, and kindness, I think are the best skills that I've gotten from being an attorney. And you know, it's interesting that you said that. And by the way, when she meant the fisticuffs, meaning basically what they say now, she got hands. <laughs> okay. 
So don't get it twisted. I don't know what you heard or what you know, but she got hands. <laughs> and we'll throw them if need be. No, 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 no just it, respectfully in a respectful manner. But, uh, but still, times change in these particular professions. Times change and rules change. And I want to touch on this because let's, I'm just going to keep, keep it 150,000 in here because we're transparent on this radio station. You're, you're actually a history maker because this, you're, you are the first attorney that we've actually had sitting at this table on this, on this particular show. And so this is big. And I haven't been able to ask this question of, of, of an attorney before because 2020, when we started this show, there was pandemic. Then there were then around that time there was right when we started, there was George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And then from George Floyd, not only are we in a pandemic, but we are also in one of probably the biggest protests of our lives. And we mean that as an African-American community, mm-hmm. the protest of our lives during a pandemic where we're supposed to be, quote, sick and shut in. Right. But what that did was unfold and bring to light the issues that still need to be worked on as it pertains to the justice system. Right. So as an attorney, since. George Floyd, what are the good things, the positive things that you have seen concerning our justice system that we can say, hey, you know what, at least at at least there's some progress being made? What would you say? I would definitely say that there is a shift. We're not there yet, but there is definitely a shift in people's motivation to be fair and acknowledgement of how unfair this system has treated us. Um, I definitely appreciate that um, sentencing is being undone when, Mm -hmm. you know, brothers and sisters in our community have been harsher sentenced based on what type of drug they may have had or very low-level crimes. Um, You know, we we came up in the era of the three strikes and you're out type of system. Exactly. And I definitely think that there is a push in the right direction to try to undo some of the harm that those things caused. Mm, and and I'm glad that you said that because you have spent a long time in working with the justice system and just law in general and to be able to see that. That's why I said things change, times change, people change, rules, laws change. And for somebody to be on the inside of all of that, to see the inner workings of the justice system and not only how unfair it was to us, but how the protests and the George Floyd situation have brought us to a place of progression. I'm not going to say out of it right? because there's still far more work to do and it's not just localized, it's across the country as well. 
Well, and I think one of the other big takeaways that I take from that is people are finally starting to recognize that just because it's legal Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's right and doesn't mean that it's fair. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that, one, people know how to contract around those types of things that may may still be legal but are not necessarily fair, Mm -hmm. um, or making sure that people in general are informed of what their rights are. Are. And there are so many super qualified, phenomenal district attorneys, um, you know, prosecutors who, to me, have taken their oath of office seriously because as an attorney, we're not supposed to do harm to people. We're sworn officers of the court. We're supposed to be doing the things that are fair and proper and not just, you know, hammer, 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 hammer down on folks, making them so that they cannot overcome or get out of this system. And so they're really taking their oaths of office seriously Mm -hmm. um, to push criminal justice reform forward. And then, of course, I would be remiss not to say we also have the first black female Supreme Court justice in the country, Ketanji Brown Jackson. So, I mean, that would have never happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. So it was unheard of, unheard of, unthought of. And, 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 you know, it's so funny because I can remember being in the third grade in Miss Yates classroom. Shout out to 71st Elementary School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, and thinking to myself, they had asked us on a career day, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, oh, I could be the president. And I can remember my classmates kind of laughing and giggling because the thought of having a black president was unheard of. And then a black female president at that was really wild. But every year I feel like we get one more step closer yeah. to that being a realistic possibility. I hope it's not the same Miss Yates that was a principal at my high school. Wait a minute. <laughs> we might find another connection here. Hold on. We're going to have that off-air conversation on that one right there. Because if that's the same Miss Yates, I'm going to run out the room. Anyway... <laughs> With that, but but still, you know, we've got phenomenal educators out here and what have you. Right now, I wanted to, before we even get into the initiatives and the priorities of the community, let's start here. You are currently running as a candidate for Douglas County Commissioner in District 2. And... Within that district, there are so many different things, so many different people. It's very diverse out in that particular area. But I want to start with this. Why District 2? Why did you select District 2? Is this a a district that you currently live in? A. And B, what was that light bulb moment for you that said, you know what? Hey, look, I'm an attorney now, and I've been doing this for a long time, but and I've been a community activist for a while as well. I'm for the community. Why not me? Let me run. Why? Well, so um, I got to take it back. You know, Fannie Lou Hamer said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I had found myself in a position where I was tired of having these, you know, knock down, drag out debates that you kind of have with your friends that are all in good fun and everybody yeah. is complaining about what robust you do Robust dialogue, as my brother Coach Jarvis would say. Yes, yes robust the dialogue. robust dialogue. Um, and I said, but you know, in these court cases, yes, I'm impacting these one or two people at a time, but don't really have um, the power or the backing to make a large, wide-scale impact on um on the community in a way that I would like to see. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of my first, you know, tick 
towards doing this. So to answer your question, yes, um, Douglas County District 2 is the district where I live. Um, All commissioners reside, um, with the exception of the chair that's a countywide race. We could go on and on about that. But um, in terms of um, commission districts, you do have to live in the district Mm -hmm. that you live in. Um, But prior to this, I actually had run for um, Georgia Senate um, in District 35 at that time um, because I really, again, was really passionate about trying to figure out how I could effectuate change um, in my community. Mm -hmm. On watch night, when the results started to come in and it was trending um, in a direction towards the incumbent, um, which mm-hmm. is no surprise there. She'd been there for 26 yeah, years. Right. Um, <clears throat> at, at that time, uh, our city councilman, uh, Howard Estes, had come to my watch night party and he was like, I love what you did with this race. I believe in your commitment to the community and because of what you want to do and specifically who you want to target, you need to start looking at the Douglas County Commissioner's race. It'll be up in 2024 you need to get ready and i was like there we have it if i can affect the people in my backyard that's what i'm here to do and that's exactly where we jump right into the priorities but i want to touch on something that's not on here because district two their parents there's education and we're not talking about just education from, you know, kindergarten through fifth grade or K through 12 at that matter. We're also talking about colleges like Morris Brown or a Spelman or something of that nature. So what would you say are some priorities when it as it pertains to the state of education in your district? Um, So one of the things that I would love to have an opportunity to impact is workforce development, which is directly tied to education. So people think, oh, we're going to give you a robust education so that we can prepare you for college. But not everybody wants to go to college, and that's okay. Not everybody is college ready, and that's also okay. And so we really have got to start shifting um, you know, we've talked about progress forward, yes. but everything old's not bad. Everything doesn't need to be reinvented. I know when I was in high school, we had tons of workforce readiness programs that we kind of have lost unless you live in an area that really has ways and means for you to get that financial backing mm-hmm. um, to provide some of those. Um, a perfect example, we had um, Ford Motor Academy mm-hmm. when I was in high school and you could come out and literally be a mechanic like on day one, ready to graduate we had cna programs when we were in high school we have to bring some of those things back to the community so that people who don't want to go to college can come out with a job ready skill where they can make a living wage and really afford um to enhance their themselves which also leads to enhancements in the community you know all of the trickle down that actually works Mm -hmm. um and so I would love to see some of that. I actually sit on the executive board of a nonprofit organization called Power Up. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of that program is to funnel girls specifically into lucrative, high-paying jobs in construction that do not require a degree. So the mm-hmm. girls matriculate our programs, and they have several certifications that they have. And if they choose to go to college in some STEM field, um, a perfect example is we have a partnership um, with Clemson University where they can go and take some of those mm-hmm. Uh, certifications and those roll into college level credits Mm -hmm. so you're saving money because you don't have to take classes that ordinarily you would have had to take Um, but then you're also 
really kind of getting your foot in the door and figuring out, do you really actually love or like what you think that you do? You know, learn on someone else's dime while you're in high school when the stakes are low, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's not a make it or break it opportunity and you still have that um, fallback. The other thing that I will say is I work in juvenile law, as I mentioned before. I would be remiss if I did not mention the number of students that we have in high school who are also earning incomes for their families Mm -hmm. in high school. So we absolutely have to focus on some programs where we can either partner with larger businesses to get them paid internships while they are still high school students. If you can get a work permit, you should absolutely be able to um, go and work for some of these corporations that want to come in and do business in our county. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that they can also earn a wage that may be the difference between being able to pull their family out of um, poverty or where they continue to stay there. It's interesting that you say that because you you were stating about working with uh, different colleges. And of course, you already know I've been to HBCU. You've had the HBCU experience. I know you went to UNCG, but you were around the corner from quite a few. You had some experiences, and you have the experience here at Morris Brown and the AUC. So how would that equate to working with HBCUs to not just be able to partner with them, but to lure them to your particular district in Douglas County, maybe say, uh, you know, some satellite classrooms or something of that nature to not only just bring business in, but to bring higher HBCU levels of education into your district specifically. So actually, in my district currently, we do have a satellite campus for Mercer University. Uh Um, And so I would love to see the opportunity to have HBCUs also come and do something similar um, where either one, we have a high commute population in Atlanta in general just because of its proximity. So you could be yes. going to Spelman or Morehouse, Morris Brown, Clark Atlanta, and still be living at home with your parents who yeah. live in Douglasville. Right. Um, and so it would be very nice if there was um, satellite locations where they could get classes towards graduation but not necessarily have to come all the way into downtown Atlanta. But also I would, I would love to see some mentorship opportunities coming out of the HBCUs into the local high schools. Um, I feel like when you have representation and you see people that look like you doing things that you aspire to do, you are more likely to do those things. You're more likely to stick with it. Um, So that would definitely be beneficial. Um, And then all of these colleges and universities for various different reasons, whether it's their STEM programs, whether it's fashion and design programs, Mm -hmm. architecture, you have Morehouse School of Medicine. If we could partner with these organizations to teach college level classes in the high schools, I mean, that would be a game changer um, specifically for Douglas County um, and for Metro Atlanta in general. Yes. And, And I agree because we're finding that, there's more of our youth that are finding out what they want to do well earlier than their sophomore year of high school. And they are really committed, which is why we have specific STEM or STEAM schools uh, that are around that actually teach specific to that particular level of education and really hone in on the opportunities. And you learn to 
really take advantage of those opportunities. And my, that's great for our community. Well, my, fr- my frustration with that, though, is that specialty programs like that rely so heavily on your access. And so what I would love to be able to see is instead of our tax dollars funding this school over here or this one program over there, split that pot equally. So regardless of your geographic location, that access to education exists for you because it should not be dependent on do you come from a two income household and do you have a two parent household and do you have a two car household to determine whether or not you have access to those programs Mm, very good point phenomenal point made and but i think you could tell i kind of did that on purpose (laughs) and the reason why i did that on purpose is to basically bring that particular point out because yes As much as we think there's a lot of access to these programs, they're conditional. Absolutely. And they're contingent on those particular set of attributes that you just named, which is why I wanted to go that direction with that. But I appreciate that particular answer and the transparency of that answer because next on the list of priorities Economic development. Everybody wants economic development. Everybody wants the economy to build in their particular district that they serve. So, what initiatives? What initiatives do you have in that, that are, you are working on and putting in place for the economic development of District Two? Um, so, prior to moving to Georgia, I actually um, served as a planning commissioner in mm-hmm. Ridgefield, Washington. Um, mm-hmm. So, planning commissioners are are different than a board of commissioners, but some uh-huh. of the ideas overlap in what you do and, and how that works together. Gotcha. My number one thing for economic development is it has got to be for District 2 in specifically and Douglas County as a whole. We are not a warehouse dumping ground. Um, And so we have got to look towards diversity in that economic development. Um, Also, in terms of economic development, we have to be making sure that the companies that want to come and do business in Douglas County are also paying towards our infrastructure um, development to make sure that we can handle the development that is coming in a way that is not having an adverse impact on the quality of life for our residents. So if you're going to bring an extra, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 trucks a day on these roads, if they're putting potholes in the street and all this, you know, things that they do, or if roads need to be widened, we need to be coming up with some type of um, MOUs or IGAs to make these companies pay into that infrastructure so that our quality of life is not being adversely impacted. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, we also want to make sure that we're looking at economic development in terms of shortening the commute. We have an amazing skill set of people who live in Douglas County and specifically in District 2. We mm-hmm. have a high population of knowledge workers. Um, they should not have to commute all the way into downtown Atlanta or to Alpharetta or to Sandy Springs to have employment. So Facts. we need to bring businesses that attract those workers as well. Mm-hmm. Um in addition to, you know, skilled work jobs and things like that so that we can keep our residents employed. And that's the and, and you basically spoke on two of the priorities there because in order to have employment the employ the employers can't come to your district without access 
Mm-hmm. You got to have access. So speak on the priorities of having those access points readily, readily available for those potential employers that come into your district. Well, so d- Douglas County is actually very uniquely situated mm-hmm. in terms of access for both train, air transport, and um, our proximity to the highway. Yes. That's what makes us desirable to those organizations. That's why we can get them in because you mm-hmm. can be anywhere in the country within four hours from Douglas County, Georgia, by tra- or by um, plane. We're right down the road from Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. Mm-hmm. We've got Charlie Brown Airfield that's just down the road yes. um, off of Fulton Industrial. Um, we also have a main thoroughfare for train activity, so we can get you down to ports in Savannah, or we can get you clear across the country. And then, of course, our access to I-20, which then also gives you access to 75, 85, all of the major highways um, mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, and, of course, we're only 30 miles away from the Alabama border, so we could even have you next door in 30 to 45 minutes. Exactly. And, you know, the it's basically the transportation element that mm-hmm. really gets people to their employment. But not everybody has cars, in Douglas County. Not everybody has a vehicle. Very true. A lot of people's stigma is that because of the highways and byways and all of that, that Douglas County, if you live there, you must have a car. And now there is Douglas Connect. There's trans there's mm-hmm. there's a transit system out there at this at this moment that serves the county. If I'm not mistaken, it correct? does. And it also has um, drop points to also get you to Marta so that you can get into the city of Atlanta if you don't have your own personal um vehicles. I would also love to see expansion of some um, transit programs. Um, I think that's part of why diversity and in, in knowledge, skill set, where you've lived, where you're from, you get an opportunity to see different mm-hmm. things and see those different things work well. Why don't we have a partnership with MARTA where they are providing um, access or opportunities to mass transit cards to help employees mm-hmm. get from the suburbs back down into the city? Exactly. Um, and of course, like I said, we have mass, um, the, the Connect Douglas that goes around the county and then also takes you to the MARTA stations. But ultimately, I would like to see the MARTA stations um, or the MARTA lines extend out towards Douglas County. And mm-hmm. I know that, you know, that's a controversial um, oh, idea. Oh it is what it is, but you I might mean- have to come in for another episode <laughs> on that. Cause I have years of questions for that one. But well, I just think about when we lived, when, when I was working in Oregon, we lived in Ridgefield, Washington. I mm-hmm. took mass transit every day. I've had some of the most lovely conversations with people. Mm-hmm. I got to know the bus drivers on my route. I yes. got to know my neighbors. It, no matter if I'm going 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I'm ingrained in a community. And that to me is the start of going back to everybody is responsible for their neighbors, mm. things like that. And if we keep feeling disjointed, we're not going to be able to reach that. Mm, phenomenal point. Phenomenal point. I, I actually don't know how to follow that. That is a phenomenal <laughs> Phenomenal point right there. And that's what, but, but I will say this, this is a definitely a great segue because the, the health of the community results in the wealth of the community. So having a healthy, wealthy community, speak on your initiatives with improvement of health and health care in your community, in your district. 
Um, so my undergraduate degree actually is in public health, community health education. Mm. When I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and thought I was going to take over the world, I, I just knew I was going to work at the health department. Clearly that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but so from that I did learn health encompasses so many things from your overall physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. Douglas County has your spiritual health covered. We got a church on every corner. It's somebody Mm -hmm. for you to go and talk to. You know, we're doing pretty good in that arena. Mm -hmm. But part of your physical health starts really in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And I would be remiss not to mention the number of children in our school systems that do not have access to free or reduced lunch because of how Mm. the poverty guidelines are supposed to work. So, yes, your parents on paper make too much money, but... Mm -hmm realistically with inflation in the way that um, the economy is trending, that that is not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. And so you have children that are going hungry. Um, They may only have the option of eating lunch at school. And so I would love to see if there is a way that we could reallocate some of our tax dollars in our budget um, for the school system so that we can offer every child, regardless of their parents' economic status, free or reduced lunch to ensure that you are having a very well-balanced meal throughout the day. Because the, the more alert you are, if you're not worried about if you are hungry, the better that you learn. The more that you learn, then you have free space in your mind to think about how do I stay well overall. You have now moved from that fight or flight stress response. Um, right. And so that's, I definitely think that that would probably have a correlation between the mental health rise that we're seeing in kids. I was just getting ready to segue right to that, the importance of mental health as a whole being a integral part to the health which is the real wealth of the community. Mm -hmm. And so right now, um, Douglas County actually is fortunate enough to be one of only 22 counties in the state. It's 159 counties. Um, We're one of only 22 that has a community services board. Mm. Um, The community services board directly provides um, substance use treatment. Um, They can provide mental health treatment and counseling, uh, mentorship opportunities, a place that is safe for your kids to go. Um, But the current board of commissioners has reduced the funding of that program drastically. That's unacceptable. Um, They went from having a $1.2 million budget from the county to a $600,000 budget. Ouch. Right. And so we have got to... That's more than half. Mm -hmm. Just just slightly more than half. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So we have to, have to, have Hmm. to, have to make sure that we are well funding those types of services in our community mm-hmm. and then making sure that there are a variety of services like that available to our residents because the better you treat people's mental health, their education, um, and making sure that they have activities, you're going to meet every, – everybody loves to talk about, oh, we have to reduce crime, we have to reduce crime. Well, you're not going to do that by only funding the sheriff. You're going to do that through funding quality education programs, yes. entertainment programs, after-school activities, things for children to do, and then by meeting people's mental health needs. And we kind of got to take that a step back, too, because – A lot of times people want to reduce those programs because of their benefit or how they help the homeless population. Mm -hmm. But homelessness is only criminalized if you go if you go back um, to slavery as a way to penalize um, newly freed people. And Mm. so we've got to get away from that idea and that way of thinking so that we can help because we are humans. and, And as part of your commitment or dedication to the human race, you should be looking at 
helping everybody, not just the people that look like you, not just the people that think like you, and not the people who have only the same access to the things that you have. Mm. I'm telling you, if she hasn't said anything right now that resonated with you, I don't know what you are listening to right now or you just wasn't simply paying attention because that's as powerful as it gets right there i'm almost through almost threw my pen up in the air behind <laughs> me when she said that like oh my goodness just uh, just absolutely phenomenal and this is the leadership that is needed in the community someone who knows what's going on not only do they live there and they're a neighbor of yours, but they know what's going on even in the inside and how to improve to radiate the positive energy outside. And that's what it's all about. And that's why we're in this time of election where early voting is going on, not now, but right now, between now and March 8th. So if you, you know, this is big for Georgia. Primaries are big everywhere around the country. So don't ignore your local your local elections. Don't just go for the presidential. Or if you're about the midterms, don't just go for the United States stuff. Look to your local areas too because these are the ones that are affecting you even greater because you live there. You live there. You live in these communities. And these are direct representatives who may even be your next door neighbor as well. So please, 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 just all across the country that you are listening to us this morning, please pay attention to your local election. Stop just looking at the national race and say, that's all I'm going to do when it comes to voting. No, you got to vote for your locals the people in your community that you may come across in your grocery store. It's just straight like that. Please pay attention because if you don't pay attention, then you're going to find yourself complaining in the future. If the wrong one is in that position. So please make sure to go vote special elections coming up March 12th. From what I understand, correct? That is correct. And you do still have one left. Um, Saturday early voting opportunity. So if you work Monday through Friday, that's no excuse. You can still go to the polls Thanks. on Saturday. Um, again, as you mentioned, March 8th, Friday, March 8th is the last early voting day. And then election day is on March the 12th. And, I, you know, it's really important that you mentioned that I actually looked up um, Monday's numbers statewide. Only 16,000 people in the entire state of Georgia as of Monday had gone to vote early in a presidential primary. Can I take a time out? Wait a minute. Can I take? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Monday's numbers, right? Only there's millions of people in this state, and most of those millions reside here in the Atlanta metropolitan area, which is the largest largest city in the state and also the state capital and you mean to tell me only 16,000 people not in the county but in the entire state of Georgia from northeast Georgia to southeast Georgia voted in these primaries are you kidding me as as of last Monday that was the number that had been reported in the news 16,000 people better. and I mean of course we've since Monday had a week's worth of voting and one Saturday. And so I'm, I'm always hopeful, always optimistic. I know more people have showed up there. But with the number of educated, 
registered voters that we have in the state of Georgia, we absolutely have got to do better. Yeah, yeah. When you hear those numbers in a state that has millions, and most of those millions are in this Atlanta area, you got to look at it like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. All the all the voter registration drives. What are we What are we waiting on? Like you know, you know what I mean. It's like, what are we waiting on? Are we paying attention? Which is why I made that point clear because a lot of people are not used to doing any kind of voting this early in the year. Right. They every time the election comes around, they associate elections with November. November, November, November. They don't pay attention to the beginning of the year where campaigns are going on. There's a Super Tuesday. There's a primary here. You know, this this decides the candidate who's going to be running against whoever, right? So people don't look at that. They're not used to this. Well, and this is such an important year for you to have paid attention to that because of all of the new redistricting, all of the new voter election maps. Um, If you're in the new District 30 for Senate, you just missed your opportunity. You have a completely new representative that you didn't know existed. Did you go and participate? Um, And there's so many races like that that people have just missed. Um, So don't miss the next one. Certainly don't miss Hmm. this one. Wow. That was an awesome point. That that's as powerful as it gets because you if you didn't take part, you don't know who this person is serving your community. Mm-hmm. You don't know who they are. They live there, but you don't know who they are. Shouldn't the community know who you are? And you know to be able to believe in your initiatives at least, they gotta know who you are. It's like big pun. <laughs> like you, they see you, you, you hey, hold on. Who is this representing our neighborhood? I've never seen him around. Mm-hmm. I've never seen her around. What? You see what I mean? And it, it, they hit you with the big pun. I don't know you, man. <laughs> like what? <laughs> That's why it's so important to, that if you're going to run for, I got my man laughing over here. This is so funny. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one very important question in a few moments here. But just to br- drive the point home, this is why there is a vast importance now more than ever and continuing on in the future to be aware of your local elections, your city, county, state. Well, and that kind of goes to one of my other points. Um, In my opinion, it's incumbent also on some of the incumbents in these races to be engaging. These aren't your seats. These are the people's seats. They belong to the community. They belong to the residents. So you should be using your platform once you are an incumbent to make sure that people know when you are up for re-election. And and I'm not talking about just putting out yard signs. You, You need to be out knocking on doors. You know, do you have a newsletter? What are you sending out to make sure that residents either know why they're continuing to support you or so that new leadership can get ushered in if you're not doing what you're supposed to? do you 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 know what now i I just thought of another show but i'm gonna get to that at the end when we close out i'm I'm, i thought of another show and when i you're gonna laugh hysterically when i tell you what show that is and what character i'm referring to but in the meantime between time 
last question that I have for you is this. How very important is it to have a supportive husband always by your side at every step of the way? Absolutely irreplaceable. That's that's my rock. My as the young folks would say, that's my woe. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, folks, she went there. She so, went there. But I say, you know, regardless of what your support system looks like, be thankful for them, be gracious to them, be kind to them, because they are going through this with you just as much as you are. But I, I wouldn't trade my little chocolate drop in for the world. <laughs> Dag, she said the whole nickname on air, bro. <laughs> he's sitting. By the way, I know this is radio. He's sitting to my left right here at the boards. But it's just so. Yeah, she she said the nickname on air. You you can't live that down, brother. Um, in the meantime, there are some young ladies out here that are in grade school, in college, and they are wanting to follow in your footsteps and this can be just as an attorney or just serving the community as an activist or serving the community as a commissioner right so what advice do you have for it could be anyone really but i say especially young women because there's a lot of them that listen to the show, especially students here at Morris Brown that want to get into that particular profession. So what do you say to them? What's the best advice that you have for them? The very first piece of advice that I tell young girls all the time is do not get discouraged if you don't know. They are so bombarded right now with social media um, and it is giving kids this false idea that if you don't have it together by 22, then somehow you have failed at life. And that is simply not true. No, it's not. I had three, at, at least three major changes while I was at UNCG and I think I'm still doing all right. Um, so it, it, it's okay if you don't know. The second thing that I would tell young girls is be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It is what it is. There is no way you're going to kick down doors. And as my my soror Shirley Chisholm would say, if they're not going to give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. But to do that, you have to be okay with being the only person in the room that looks like you, the only person in the room that thinks like you. Um, and that's okay. Be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the last thing that I would leave them with is stand 10 toes down on the things that you believe in do not shift or change your priorities your morals your values your goals to follow what is popular always try your best to do what is right and that you believe in and if you wouldn't do it with your mama in the room don't do it <laughs> and by and by the way you said your soror shirley chisholm you, you got to shout it out. I am a member of the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Oop! Absolutely. I, I, I had to get you to do that because, of course, our own Dr. Kennel is also a soror of your spiritual situations on Sunday morning, 6 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern. So, yeah, got to shout out those sorors and whatnot. And uh, so with that said... First of all, I want to thank you so much for being so powerful today that 
this obviously you're going to be here a lot more times because there's questions for time's sake I couldn't even get to today, especially about your Maxine Shaw journey, attorney at law (laughs) journey. But, you know, there were some questions that I couldn't get to today for time's sake. However, we're always family and you know you got a radio home here and I'm I intend I am very intentional on having you back very soon to ask those questions because there are some things that a lot of us don't know in our community still to this day that we need to know for our protection but more so for our peace and sanity. So of course, we're talking about the elections, right? We're talking about the primaries. We're talking about all of that. We're talking about elections here right now. But I got to get you back very soon to talk more about the law side, the justice, the all of that, because it is phenomenal to be making history today as the first attorney to come to the table here on the morning machine and that speaks volumes so i really thank you so much for being on uh before before we go here uh could you please tell everybody where we can find you follow you and support your campaign by donating Absolutely. So you can find all of our campaign information, links to donate on our website at electwhitneykennerjones.com. I'm also on Facebook at electwhitneykennerjones.com. Oh, not.com. <laughs> uh, on Facebook at electwhitneykennerjones and then also on Instagram at whitneykennerjones. And that's W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, Kenner, K-E-N-N-E-R, Jones, J-O-N-E-S. And I look forward to having an opportunity to fellowship with you all. And if you're in the area, Area on February the 28th, we will be hosting a fundraiser at Twisted Pie uh, in Douglas County, Georgia, or in Douglasville, Georgia. So stop on by. Absolutely. Stop on by, and you ready for the character? Stop on by to see the real life Winifred Freddie Brooks, the, the <laughs> character played by Chris Summer, Summer yes. on a different world, who was the community activist, mm-hmm. right? Then she she studied law. Yep. And then, you know, in, in the final seasons, you saw she was in the courtroom as the judge. I, I see that's you all the way. It is like if so- that's if you look at that sequence from being an activist and, you know, being the cool, the cool cat around <laughs> campus. Right. And then. All right, now now you're studying law. Okay, it's getting serious now. And now here I am. I'm standing before the judge in the courtroom as an attorney representing these clients. Freddie, Winifred Freddie Brooks. It is so funny that you use that reference because when I was growing up, all of my friends wanted to be Whitley Gilbert. But if you ask anybody that knows me and asked which character that I most identified with, it's Freddie. She has been my favorite forever. So that is very accurate. Spot yes, on. it very is. Funny. I know it's accurate because <laughs> it, it really, it, that's who I saw. Yeah, we could we could talk about all the other shows, <laughs> but the different world. Yep, Freddie Brooks. Freddie Brooks. The, the, she she the real life one, y'all. <laughs> she the real life one. So when you go out to Douglasville and you go see her, y'all tell her I, y'all y'all tell her I said that you you heard it right here on the situation. That's basically what it is. But 
Listen, you've done so well. You continue to do well, my sister. Thank you. There's still even bigger things on the horizon even after this. And you know we speak life into people here. Every guest now, family that comes through here, we speak life into them. There's more in store for you. This is just that stepping stone. Continue on that marathon as we always should. And we're going to make it count. We're going to make it it count. Thank you. So thank you so much for being on. Like I said, you'll be back real soon. I got more questions to ask my sister over here. Yeah, you got to ask Freddie. (laughs) (laughs) You might as well make that your nickname, the real (laughs) Freddie. But anyway, with that said, I love having fun. I love having fun. And that that, it, it just adds to the transparency of the moment. But Whitney, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Really appreciate you and everything that you will continue to do for the community moving forward. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you guys again soon. Absolutely. And with that, listen, we got some more jams for you right now, right here on The Morning Machine. Stay locked in. Let's go.